Is very good television podcast. I'm Liz Shannon Miller at Liz Lit on the Twitters. I'm Ben Travers. Ben T. Travers on the Twitters. And happy Monday as you listen to this. Happy Friday as we record this. And we are going to talk about tables today. Tables. Tables. Yep. The thing that you can't fit in your apartment if you live in a big city. Do you not have a table? Uh, not like a proper like dining room table or like a kitchen table. We have like a like a long bar thing that doubles as a. Um, like extra counter space basically like is that is that where you eat your meals that's as good as we can do um i probably eat most of my meals perched on a like a chair in front of the television because that's all we do with our time but um but yeah yeah i mean i actually do have a dining room table and i still you yeah i'm I'm very fancy but i also still eat most of my meals at my coffee table in front of the television job requisite i think pretty much yes uh but that should we talk about I mean, I guess this is probably going to be the focus of the of the broader conversation, but right. we're going to talk about Channing Tatum's tables that he made in Magic Mike, correct? Because <laughs> remember, that was his dream, and I guess he abandoned it in the second one. No, he, well, he he just took a little break. He needed he, he needed a little break. He he, he didn't just, seem fulfilled. Liz. He just got dumped. He just I think needed he to was, go. He I think he was kicking it to the curb. No, he just needed to go spend some time with his boys. I'm and sure then, we'll get a real answer when Magic Mike XXXL comes out at some point. God, but I want that really badly now. I feel like in this current world, somewhere down in Florida. Mike no, but is not making tables anymore. But no, but here, 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 here is here is my counterposit to that, and I'm and no, we are going to we are going to dig in with Magic Mike XXL because um, this is important. Uh, are you looking at the time already? Or no, look at the levels. Yeah, that's fair. Um, no, but see, all the dances in the last act of Magic Mike XXL are all themed around what these guys actually want to be doing with their lives. Like, you know, one of them wants to be an artist, so he does the art dance. And then one of them wants to be a singer, so he does the fancy singing dance. One of them wants to be a candy maker, so he does a fancy candy dance. I don't dance. think that's true. No, please, <laughs> go back and watch that film. It is all... I don't all... think he wants to be a candy maker. No, he wants to have his food truck where he, like, sells, like... Oh, well, like... this is true. Yeah, yes. yeah. Oh, do not, are, are you going to question me on my deep analysis of uh, Magic Mike XXL? Because you were going I mean, to... I yeah, I am. I am you're, going to do that. You're doing that, and you're getting taken to school, my friend. I'm, I'm not, because the food truck wasn't to sell candy to children. No, it was like, like, it was like selling ice cream. It was okay. artisanal ice cream. Okay. And so that's what he was selling. I, I, I misspoke, and I said candy instead of ice cream. But the song that he is dancing to is, I want to take you to the candy shop. Right. Um, so I am not totally off my game here. He could have gotten an ice cream song. He could have gotten a little more specific. How many ice cream songs are there? There's got to be a million. Okay. That is so dangerously close to Googling. He definitely should have done some sort of alternate version and like a, like a, like a medley that incorporates like the ice cream truck jingle. Like he should have built that into the song. <laughs> yeah. Somehow. What is that classic? There's like a, there's an, there's, there's like, like the, I mean, not like an ad, like just the, when the ice cream truck yeah. goes down the street, you hear the music and it's like, yeah. oh, ice cream's here. There's like, but there's a name for that song somewhere. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> Please feel free to write in and tell us that. Anyways, point is, you're talking about tables. Yeah, and Mike's routine doesn't really have anything to do with no, exactly. tables. It has that's things to do the, with mirrors. Yeah, but that's the thing. Like he he doesn't like have this extra extra desire. He just enjoys what he's already doing. That's true. But that's the thing. He's already doing what he wants to do, so he doesn't Which need to do Which is dancing. It. 
No, but he already is doing the table thing, which is mm-hmm. no. See, I don't buy that. I think I think that he is you an think... artist who is continuing to develop, and he his first expression of his artistry was dance, which is why he'll always return to it. Right. But his second expression was table making, and he got his kind of fill of that, and the business side of it is bogging him down. So now he's looking for a new outlet for his artistry that can satisfy him both financially and creatively, and it's not going to be dance when he goes back, but it's not going to be tables either. So this I'm looking forward to see what he does next, but it's like tables are in are in are in the rearview mirror for Magic Mike. This is a really inter- this is an interesting interpretation. I hear you. I respect it. Um, don't know if I agree, but I mean, we'll... he, pretty sure in the first one, one of the tables he made was like one of the kind of um, not not a dining room table. It was like a like a what are the little tables end table? It was end like an table, end table. Yeah made out of bottles and the bottles were green and i think they were rolling rock bottles which is i mean i could just be projecting this because i'm a big rolling rock fan but i'm pretty sure rolling rock versus peroni i mean peroni okay peroni Peroni. yes always on brand but yes uh, but you you also appreciate rolling rock yeah like if i'm in a divey bar they probably don't have peroni because it's a classy drink so i'm gonna get a i'm gonna get a couple of rocks so about game of thrones wait why are we talking about game of thrones because we're talking about... They don't about... have tables. <laughs> they have plenty of tables. Jeez. They're boring. Like, the Winterfell tables, like, huge. The tables are just something that, like, stands between people when they're threatening to kill each other. Like, That's it's fair. just something that separates human beings before they're dead. Yeah. But actually, you know, sometimes they eat at the tables. Like, I remember in, like, episode one of uh, Game of Thrones, like, uh, Tyrion comes in and he orders, like, what actually sounds like a really interesting breakfast of, like, fish and, like, cheese and bread. Because there's a lot of tables for Tyrion to set his drinks down on. Yeah, because he's the he's he's the he's the god of tits and wine. Yeah, that's, that's the term. What, yeah. yeah, I was like, I was gonna say Lord, and that wasn't right. All right, we're actually talking about a complaint that was maybe thrown about a little bit from the season premiere of Game of Thrones this year, uh, which is the idea that a lot of the episode was don't have enough tables. No, not enough, no, actually too many tables. Too many tables. There were too many tables. Too many In tables. fact, there was a lot of table setting. No, oh, you lost me again. They wouldn't set tables. Like, they're not that fancy. They're very crude. They have feasts. Yeah, but their feasts are still like sloshing <laughs> wine and, and beer and mead and, and like carcasses of dead animals that were barely cooked that probably killed the people like at the far end of the table who got the last bit of it. I mean, Is that what we're talking about? No, no, we're 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 going into the basic idea that the 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 first episode of Game of Thrones was a lot of basically setting up plot for the rest of the season, which is something that happens a lot in television. I think we can all think of shows where you know there's an episode where it's just like, oh yeah, all of this stuff happens entirely just to make sure that future things can happen. Yes. Um. Are you, do you have like, you have like a look in your eye? Do you have like something in mind? Yes. What? I'll get to it later. Okay. Well, the idea is that, you know, how frust, it, it, should we find it frustrating when shows decide to basically take a week and just lay the foundation for weeks to come? And I think honestly, the answer varies depending on the show. In the case of say a show where it has a hugely anticipated uh, premiere, and also uh, only has a six-episode season, maybe, you know, shouldn't be that ca- that way. Yeah, I don't think any should be. 
I think um, I think it's okay that you do it. Obviously, it has to be done, as you said. Like like the the idea of table setting when um, you take away kind of the negative connotation is just that it's establishing and teasing events to come. Um, it's it's setting things in motion, which is obviously needed when you're telling a story. Um, but anytime I think, especially if it like filters its way into the mainstream conversation, as I feel like it did with Game of Thrones. If you're talking about table setting, it's a problem. You should never notice the table setting. The table mm-hmm. setting should be executed in such a way that uh, it's still entertaining and you're along for the ride as it's happening and you don't even realize that it's it's been done. Um, I think the, the big problem with Game of Thrones is that people have become so... They're A, infatuated with the show, and B, used to its rhythms, that whenever somebody said that they didn't like this season eight premiere and their their reason was it was boring, they were just setting tables, everybody countered with, well, they always do that. And mm-hmm. that's a terrible excuse. Just because they always make a mistake doesn't mean that the mistake should, be, should go unacknowledged. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I just... I find it, I would find it more frustrating if I was like a really diehard Game of Thrones fan, which avid listeners know I am. Um, <laughs> because again, like you said, there's only one of six. Like we, yeah. I know this, that some of them are extremely long, which great. Um, but there's still only six episodes left. The idea that they could spend one entirely on people walking up to each other and saying, hey, you didn't like me for a while. And the other guy's like, yeah, I did. And I probably still don't. And it's like, oh, are you going to kill me later? Maybe it's like, well, we're supposed to kind of fight the guys together. And they're like, oh, but maybe I'll kill you anyway. Like that's the whole episode. Maybe. What if, uh, you know, I remember that time you threw me out of a window and crippled me for life. That yeah. was kind of a thing. And that was the end of the episode. Yeah. Like that was what they built up to toward for the whole first hour of the show. And again, I'm going to apologize now. Uh, we do not have we're recording on Friday as we always do. We do not have screeners for Game of Thrones, no. so see, like episode two has happened, and we're not going to be able to comment on it. Yeah. Um, but if by any chance you know they again extend things a little bit too far, and there's not enough action in the second episode, if there's not enough, um, and when I say action, I mean kind of active things happening instead of just teasing or passively discussing or setting things up. Um, if that if that happens again, then this would be very relevant. We'd have more examples, but we don't because we haven't seen it. Yeah, I mean, I think what's interesting is the idea that, like, it's kind of a binary issue where it's like you can either have table setting or you can have dragon battles. And it's hard. Like, Game of Thrones has always been kind of a show where it's like you. it varies wildly. Like, some day, some weeks it'll be a lot of talking. And then some weeks it'll be like, let's have a 30-minute dragon battle. And well, it's also, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to No, good. No, I was just going to say it's interesting that it's put in that context now because one of the things that really hooked people with Game of Thrones was that they killed a character who no one thought would ever get killed. Right. Very, I mean, not quickly, but it quickly like in, the relative, in, in the relative scheme of things. Right. It wasn't like they did in the first episode, but again, like they, that was the kind of thing where it made its mark and it kind of turned the whole television world into a thing where, oh my God, somebody could die at any time. And now it feels like... Since we're in the end of the season, we're all waiting to see who lives and dies at the end of this thing, and they don't want to do it too early, so they're just waiting. I think we were talking about this actually earlier today with, like, the whole team. Like, somebody posited the idea that, like, what if, like, they just kill the Night King, like, the big bad of the season, so oh, to yeah, speak. that was Michael Nordine, I believe. Yeah, our good friend Michael Nordine posited the idea of, like, what if they kill the Night King by, like, the end of episode three? And then, like, the rest of the season is just dealing with all the bullshit that's been going on all the series long yeah um which could be interesting no i'd love it that'd be great yeah not just 
that necessarily, but something of that magnitude, if they're willing to start laying some cards down. And I think that's what kind of people were hoping for in the first episode. They're hoping that, you know, maybe somebody's not going to make it out of here alive and it would be a signal of things to come, like that we're going to move through the season. It's going to be fast. But again, to be clear, that's not the only way to disguise table setting by like actually killing someone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like probably the way that the the show probably like should have tried to pull, pull off a big maneuver in its first episode, like it... I feel like it it took a lot of it had a lot of faith in its popularity to be like, you know, yeah, we'll just keep going, who cares. Yeah, it's it's laid out a plan. It is following through with that plan. It is not concerned with the artistry of how they're going to unveil their plan. They're yeah. just they're just going through it now. So But what you you know what it makes me realize is <clears throat> like this is like the idea of an entire episode devoted to table setting is something that is only that would that only happens now in the era of quote, uh, the golden era of television quote unquote because you know like thinking back 20 years from now like uh, 20 years from today like you know you had the x-files and the x-files like you had no matter what you had a case of the week like Mulder and and I mean, actually, this proved to be less the case when they would do like two-parter episodes. But every week, for the most part, you know, on top of whatever else was going on, Mulder and Scully had to solve some weird paranormal crime. And even with like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which was more serialized than the X Files ever was, um, even that show, like they, you know, there would be something weird happening in Sunnydale that week, and the Scooby Gang would have to investigate it to some degree. Yeah. Um, and. Nowadays, like, you know, you can have shows that are just like, you know, quote unquote, kill me now, 10 hour movies. Um, and, you know, sometimes movies take a while to ramp up. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you fit the nail on the head there because the further and further we get from what television started as and what it remains to this day, but people ignore or don't understand is that it is an episodic medium right. and each episode needs to deliver entertainment. And you can't have a placeholder episode. You can't have uh, a, the, like a, a table setting episode that is only that because then you're not delivering on the promise of, hey, we wrote this as a piece of entertainment for you to watch. Um, you, you, and again, like it's, it's that the TV, the 10 hour movie thing is a perfect example. So many times the Game of Thrones creators have talked about how their show is a whatever the fuck hour 70 long hour, movie. I yeah. think. And that is an, and it's A, wrong. They don't even understand what they're talking about. And B, uh, it's encouraged other people to think of it the same way, and it's become a, a serious problem, and then we end up with these kind of episodes. But um, to go back to the original thing, when you looked at me and I was like, yeah, I've got it. I've got a, an example here. Uh, look at The Leftovers. Always go back to the most perfect show on TV. Jar. Think about what happened in the season three premiere. Think about what happened in the season two premiere. Jar. I mean... <laughs> No, Fine, but you have to recount the events of those episodes. Fair enough. Okay, I can't. Um, but no, actually, no, because I can because the thing that The Leftovers did that was very clever was, yes, it was it was a beautiful – and it, I feel like the, the shows that we really t try to champion in, in, in on this podcast – do tend to have an episodic structure and do tend to like really break, make sure that like every episode, like you can call it the one with blank to paraphrase yet yeah. another of your favorite shows. Yeah. Um, Friends. Yes. But like yeah, every thing, episode counts. But everything episode also has a distinct thing going on. And in the case of the leftovers, what was going on there was every episode was character focused. 
So, um, to a degree. But, like, you know, it literally, I, no, I know this because um, I got a glimpse of uh, the, you know, big, the big whiteboard of the uh, writer's room uh, right at the be- near the beginning of season two. And it was literally laid out, like, there was a grid, and it was one through ten, ten episodes in season two. Um, and by every number, there was a character name. And some of them were, there were multiple character names by a couple of them. But yeah, like, you know, the first episode, it's like, it's Kevin, the first uh, season two, it's a Kevin episode. It's not? First episode of season two introduces the Murphys. Oh, that's right. Which is, again, what what, what the Leftovers did so well. And frankly, you know, it's a big swing. But they kind of they kind of skirted the issue of table setting by shifting it toward world building. So they're introducing you to a brand new family and a brand new world at a brand new time in in the second season. And then in the third season, it's just advanced in time so that you have to kind of catch things up as the plot continues to move forward. Yeah. So they're setting things up. They're they're showing you kind of where the story is going to go, but they're dropping you into a point in which, hey, this is a big deal. Like the, the events are about to happen. Right. And they're they're underway already, so that's kind of what gives it its its narrative thrust, and you don't feel like oh man, they're just telling me things; they're showing me things too. No, I think the the I love the way you put it because like the idea. I think basically what we're championing here is the concept of world building over table setting. Like, and I think that's the core conflict. It's like table setting. It's like you kind of sit there patiently waiting for the server to put down the plates and the spoons and whatnot because you know you know that eventually you're going to need them for the meal. Like world building is you've get, you're getting handed a map and you're getting handed a compass and you're getting sent out into this world to explore. Yeah, no, that's 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 great. And it's interesting too, like there, there's plenty of shows where, you know, you don't have to have like a big time jump or introduce like a whole new set of characters or do something like crazy extreme. Um, but I love the idea of, of going after that because again, it's it's just respect for your audience. It's saying, we want to keep you entertained while we're going to tell you this longer story, but we're not going to sacrifice any of the moments in between. Um, and it's interesting, like watching Killing Eve this season, um, a lot of the early episodes have been that table setting because they pick up, what was it, like 45 seconds yeah. after the yeah. <laughs> season one finale. Um, and like, that's a great, that's not a bad choice. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And there's a lot of things that, you know, you literally have to happen just to see, okay, so how do they get out of this situation and end up somewhere new? Um, how do, you know, we restart the events and get them back to work? Like, whatever it is. Like, you you had to kind of push forward to get there. Um, but we're also still waiting a little bit in season two. We're like, I feel like something is coming. There's been big swings and big choices made, especially during season, like throughout season one, which kept people pretty hooked. And now we're spending a lot of times with the characters circling each other, doing the same thing they did in season one, but we need an alteration to the dynamic. Um, I do think that that Killing Eve is more of a procedural that a lot of people want to give it credit for. Mm-hmm. Um, but that just goes back to your original point in which when you're dealing with episodic shows, you have to have that crux at the center of it where you're like, this element of it is really exciting like the x-files the x-file that week was something exciting like mm-hmm. you you wanted to know more about Mulder and scully and and what they were doing and their bigger mission and sometimes the conspiracy before it got out of hand but you would also invest in that case that week which is why they usually started with that case yeah and i mean it's interesting too like uh when i was doing my big deep dive into life on mars uh the abc remake of the british original uh one thing that one thing that came up was the fact that like technically that that show's selling point for you know most of America was it's a 1970s cop procedural, mm. 
And like they, and so I was when I was talking to the executive producers, like they, their, their whole thing was like they wanted to layer in as much weirdness as they could, but at the same time, like their whole deal was they also, they wanted to layer in as much weirdness as they could and like really kind of amp up the season long mystery, but at the same time, like they had, they basically had to hire a couple of guys in the room whose job it was to write like oh, okay you know like the clue trail and so forth like they had like to actually write the procedure element so they had in the room they had like a mix of like people who really knew relationship stuff well like they i think they had a writer from gilmore girls and then they also brought in like some law and order uh you know hot shots um yeah that's good i mean it's, it's good it's definitely good to think about it that way yeah. you know like kind of no matter what if you if you're telling a story um especially if you're on if you're actually airing weekly you know like again the binge culture lets people get away with it because you know people will only remember the highlights of the experience and unless they get so bored that they stop watching they're going to finish the season but yeah like those weekly ones you need it like you need that's why so many of them are built around you know cliffhanger endings because they're like we got to give you a reason to come back and if you enjoy yourself while you're there that's always the best reason to come back so yeah yeah I mean, it's interesting. There's, I mean, there's no one way to do it. Like, no. There's no one way to to, to set a table. Um, there's plenty of, of bad ways to do it as well. But there's, it's just about to to me, it's just about kind of honoring the idea that just because this is the start of your journey, you don't get to kind of push off the important things. You need to always be working towards the crux of the action and not looking at a plan and saying, well eventually this thing is going to happen and this thing is really exciting so we're just going to work up to it for the whole time and when that exciting things happen everything else is forgiven that's that doesn't work yeah i mean i think it comes down to knowing what your show's about and like for example if your show happens to be built on the basis of cool betrayals and and or dragon battles like if there were cool betrayals in the season premiere like of Game of Thrones, that would have been one thing, but there were no cool betrayals. It was just a lot of, like, as you recapped earlier, like a lot of people just staring at each other being very mean. And then uh, no dragon battles, and that's disappointing. Well, and honestly, like, the, the dragons are a good example, too. It's not table setting, but it is stalling. Like, yeah. the, the, the scene in which John and Danny go for a flight, like, they just take the dragons out for a spin. It didn't have anything to do with anything. It didn't. It didn't matter. Like it was just spectacle, yeah. and they can coast on spectacle again because people love the dragons at this point. Um, but that's actually that. There's nothing to that that advances the plot or tells a story. It's Even just, if like, yeah, it's just letting you know that maybe John can ride a dragon now. So like, don't be surprised if he does it. But come on. Actually, yeah. Like if if that if they had taken the dragons and they had like gone and done something substantial, like like let's say there was like a they heard about like an outbreak of wildlings or not wildlings, like an outbreak of uh, white walkers um, in this one area. Like this one, it doesn't need to be like a significant battle, but like they can. It's Daenerys. It's like yeah, yeah they want to go take the dragons out and go fuck some shit up. Like yeah. like if they had done something like that, that'd been interesting. Yeah, like it. It I was expecting to like because they started it by saying something about. You know, the dragons aren't eating. We got to go check and see what's what's bothering them. And then later they went on this flight. So I thought they were going to find something where it's like, okay, this is related to like what's going on with the dragons here or something. But it just ended with them making out and the dragon looking at John like, how dare you make out with my mom? And it's like, I don't give a shit. Like it, it, it didn't, as your article pointed out this week, not specifically this, but well, kind of um, like their chemistry is terrible to begin with. Yeah. But that moment doesn't help them like it didn't it wasn't there to build the chemistry there was nothing about that scene in which you're like oh i'm 
I am just it's, now. I just now I just like, feel slightly weirder about the fact you're making out with your aunt. Yeah, it's like giving us more reasons to root against them in a weird way. Um, By the way, apologies so, for all these Game of Thrones spoilers. I have none. I, it's it's hard to like. I guess if you're like years behind, but even I, I I mean even if you found out what happened in the first episode, you're better off just starting with two. So I just um, I mean I get frustrated when this sort of thing happens uh, for any show but yeah. when it's magnified on a scale where people start fighting about it and using the excuse of they always do it i just lose my fucking mind it's just <laughs> it's exhausting it's it's like can i just show you like how this is supposed to be done and then you'll watch that show too <laughs> you guys have hbo you can watch the leftovers if you're watching game of thrones <laughs> and you didn't see the leftovers you can watch it it's there i'd be interested in a leader chart of any like of like what what shows people are watching that aren't like currently airing on hbo from h i I would like to know what people who are not you know watching like the currently airing stuff i would like to know what they you know check out from the archives wait wait you want to know what people who aren't watching well just like you know if it's like the shows that are currently airing like game of thrones like everyone knows is happening like i want to know about the people who are watching like deadwood Oh, I mean, okay. even though Deadwood is technically, there's a very Movie, yeah. motivating reason to check out Deadwood right, right. now. Um, yeah, I'd be, I would be interested in those, in those HBO Now stats. Um, like when they announced the ratings for Game of Thrones, they showed, they, they released how much of a boost Barry and Veep got the new episodes. Uh-huh. But I would be curious to see the chart of, you know, like what did people, maybe if they watched the new Game of Thrones and they stuck on the HBO app, what did they watch afterwards that wasn't a new show? Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's no al- algorithm driving Netflix, and uh, not Netflix, uh, HBO viewing. But what? I am the algorithm. You are the algorithm. Yeah. It, it, you're just sitting there in the back at HBO, whispering leftovers. Yeah. <laughs> just that- like casually flipping a little switch, and then all of a sudden, on the homepage, the first thing you see in the cycle is Game of Thrones, and the second thing, it's like, oh, the leftovers. Hey, uh, Justin Thoreau, he's not wearing a shirt. I'll watch that. I mean, that should always be your motivation to watch something is if Jeff's, Justin Thoreau's not wearing a shirt. I really don't know how it wasn't a bigger hit. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, it's 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 still nice to have, like, Game of Thrones back, I think. Like, I, I feel like it's nice to have, like, the conversation point. But that being said, Ben, there's other television happening. And so let me ask you, what was the best thing you watched last week? It's better things, guys. It's better things in Veep. And I know there's other stuff, but I'm not, I don't give a shit. Like, I'm going to keep on this. Like, it is, it is, it is nice to have a show that everybody is watching so you can kind of say, like, have a conversation with most anybody you know. Like, that's always nice. It's always nice to be able to talk to people about the things you're sharing. But um, I would be over the moon if i could do that with veep and better things if i could be having those conversations that we're having with becky with thrones with as many people and as often about those shows life would be so much better um so please check those out uh liz what was the best thing you watched last week uh i'm gonna i mean those shows are very very good um and i watched uh I, we got veep screen more veep screeners this week and i watched them and it was very very nice I'm very. I I really want to talk to you about them off mic because of spoilers. Oh, I haven't watched them yet. Okay. Well, in that case, I'll also wait to talk to you until you've watched them. Uh, but beyond that, I will say uh, a show that you've championed already on this podcast that I finally got to check out the first episode of is Rami, mm. and that was a really good show. Good television. A very interesting point of view. I love the fact that it's very centered on his religion and really, like, 
it doesn't hold it up as a bad or a good thing that he's religious. It's just like, it's a part of who he is. And it's like him, you know, interfacing with that along with the rest of the world. And I feel like that's, it's not like unconventional, but it's like, it's it's a, it's fresh. Like yeah. um, there are other shows I think that are also doing it that's potentially a think piece down the line, who knows. Um, but I think like talking about religion in the context of, in a context where it's like acknowledging that a lot of people, it has a lot of meaning for a lot of people. Um, you know, like I think that's an interesting concept that doesn't happen a lot in, at least in mainstream television these days. So yeah, no, it's not like, I mean, also it's, it's, a, also it's a funny show. Ronnie. Right. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's kind of the nice thing about it too. Like the early episodes hit on a lot of the specifics of, of his Muslim faith um, as a center part of the story. And as later episodes develop, they kind of go off in different directions. And then, you know, his religion and his age and his approach to religion um, kind of steer a lot of other topics because he's he's part of a community right. that's that, you know, it's kind of you know, the young versus the old. Well, not versus, but like you can see kind of the old guard and the new guard, you know, butting heads a little bit about how to approach it and what the correct things are. Um, and, you know, that's tough when your parents, <laughs> when you live with your parents, Um let alone, you know, just see them a lot. And you have to kind of take all of that into account when you're doing very normal things that a lot of other people don't have to think about. Like they don't have to think about, you know, who they date based on, you know, the religion or based on what they're, I mean, they have to think about it based on what their parents think sometimes. But anyway, you're, yeah, I'm, I hope, I'm looking forward to hearing more when you get kind of later on because there's a few that I think you're going to really like. That, yeah, um, I've, I've, like I've heard enough, like I've heard enough, talk about there being breakout episodes that makes me excited yeah and it's it, it actually is one that does the episodic thing very well like it treats every half hour like oh my god i get to make another half hour i'm gonna tell the best story i can and it's gonna be focused on this thing and you're gonna like this thing and then it continues with the story so yeah, yeah. always good yeah. ben what's the next thing you're looking forward to um the next thing i'm looking forward to is um is is the long-awaited gotham oh finale. yeah we we need uh, get ready, guys. Next week is Gotham week. Yeah, it's we're finally gonna, here. We're gonna watch some Gotham. We're gonna talk about some Gotham. Yeah, we have a, We we both have a piece of Gotham here in this Whoa. office. Don't say anymore. Okay, it's gonna be a surprise for one of our listeners. Okay, in the mail soon. I don't so. know. I don't know anything. I can cut that out if you want. That's whatever. Um, but yeah, no, it's gonna be it's gonna be Gotham week. Gotham and week. when everybody's so sad that it's over, we're going to come with our episode to talk about it and give it a little more life on the Monday yeah. so that you can kind of, you know, ease into the transition away from Gotham because um, it's been, I mean, it's been a really good show. I really, I've always enjoyed Gotham when I finally get the time to come back and check in on it. Um, How caught up so are you at this point? I'm pretty close. I mean, I think there's probably, including the, the finale Four, four episodes, four okay. or five episodes, maybe. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I plan on digging in this weekend and uh, checking it out, and then uh, you know I'm sure we'll write something about it on. Wait, any... wait, wait. Did you do your next thing? Oh yeah, I didn't do my next thing. Jeez. What's your next thing, Liz? You, you good catch though. Oh, uh, my next thing. Um, I have so many things. There's so many things. I literally opened up my uh, email folder of screeners to screen. And uh, the first thing that ca- caught my eye was Archer 1999. Oh, yeah. And so uh, the next season of Archer, it, we have a couple of screeners for it available. And uh, 
I, I chose it because I have not watched a minute of it, and so I can talk about it without fear of embargoes, the way I'm afraid of other things that are embargoed. And uh, anyways, Archer 1999, that's a show that still exists, and I'm looking forward to seeing the next iteration of it. Yeah, really got to talk to Adam Reed. Uh, last we heard, like, there's not a renewal yet, so we this could be the end. This could be the end. We got to figure it out. We got to find knows, out. He knows now. He knows. So we got to talk to him. Right. Yep. Wait, you think he knows He knows whether or not it's the end? I think he'd have to, because he the whole season's written. It's in the process of being animated. But he he tends to write just kind of with the... I don't feel like he's the kind who, like... He, like, writes every season, like, just thinking, oh, it's just this next season. He's Yeah, but he's he's set that event in traction about Archer's death. Right. That has to be answered one way or another. Sure. So whether he answers at the end of the season, he technically could come back and do another one. That's always going to be an opportunity with the show. Right. But... He knows, like, if he made that choice for this or not, would tell us if it's gonna, if there's even a possibility this could be it. Very fair. I'm well. Ben will definitely be writing a lot about that yeah. when it premieres, and uh, you can read all about it and more on IndieWire.com, where you where you'll find news, reviews, interviews, features, all the stuff you like. And make sure to listen to IndieWire's other great podcasts, including the Filmmaker Toolkit podcast with Eric Cohn and Ann Thompson. Uh, wait, no. I just said the Filmmaker Toolkit podcast. You did. I did. Yeah, that Screen Talk. Screen Talk with Eric Cohn and Ann Thompson. I just was so eager to talk about Chris O'Fault that I, I just skipped right toward right toward his podcast. Uh, Filmmaker Toolkit podcast, of course, hosted by Chris O'Fault. Chris O'Fault is, um, I mean, he's the best. He's great. He's, no, he's the best. Okay. He's the best one. <laughs> the best of all of, of us. Of all of us. Yes, fair enough. Good. Um, well, you can find Ben on Twitter at Ben T. Travers. And you can find Liz on Twitter at Lizlet, that's with an I, and then an E. Thank you so much for listening. Um, and we will be back next week. As before mentioned, it's Gotham Week next week, so get excited for that. And in the meantime, you guys, keep watching television. 